Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. How often do you live your life as your true self? Are you afraid of people judging you? When you walk into a room, do you own it or do you hide in the corner? Today we look at self-confidence. What is it? Why do we have it or not have it? And how can we live our lives brimming with confidence? Now, I'm confident in our speaker today, ladies and gentlemen, Jillian Power. What's going on today? You excited about today's episode? I'm always excited. And self-confidence is probably one of, well, actually, I can't say that because all of our topics, for me, I find it interesting. But self-confidence, I feel, is one of the cores. So I feel it's an essential tool that as individuals... Uh, it should be a priority for us to achieve. I've known you for many years, and you're a very confident person. Have you always been a confident person? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I actually only became confident when I started to fall in love with myself. So uh, that was, for me, a huge shift in my life. And I would say it was only probably about seven years ago. So yeah, I would say once that journey started, then the confidence kind of just came with it. I remember when you and I were first getting to know each other and we're at work and we're working together every day and we were going through some, uh, some project, we were training about some project. And I remember you did a great job in, in one, this one aspect. And I came over to pay you a compliment. I said, Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. You really nailed this today. You did an amazing job. And you look up from your desk and you go, oh, I know. <laughs> and I thought that was so, it was so perfect. <laughs> it was like, oh. And at first I was kind of like taken aback. And I thought, but then I, I, have, to, I have to admit, I really like that. I was like, oh, this person knows they're doing a good job. And, and it's not that you're not open to feedback or coaching, but you knew you had done a good job. And I thought, okay, that's confidence. They're, they're aware of their skills. They know they're good at this. And I think it's like, I think it's an important thing. And I'm, it's funny because I tell that story too, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I feel people's feedback is good, but it's secondary. I feel that if we take that positive to be that primary, we have to take that negative to be the primary as well. And I feel honestly to my core that it is how you feel of yourself and how you truly believe you did, that really, really matters. Now, mind you, absolutely feedback, helping yourself grow 100%. Those are all essential tools. But at the end of the day, it's how you feel you did. And if you can be honest with yourself and know that you did a home run, then I feel that, yeah, you should be able to be like, yeah, I, I feel good with that. I know I did good. So let's take a look at what is self-confidence. Now, I'm going to throw some words out here. And I'd love for you to jump on this and, and talk a bit about it. Self-confidence can be described as our belief in ourselves. So our trust in our own abilities, our own qualities, our own judgment, and our resilience to handle what life throws at us. Thoughts? I think it's perfectly said. <laughs> I believe it's, it's definitely it. I believe it has a huge element on the having the faith in ourselves or the confidence in ourselves that we can achieve what we're trying to do. We will give it our best effort. We will show up. So I think for me, the only thing I would have add, added to it is that the fact of showing up and being genuine with who we are. So really showing up and being present with who we are in that moment, I think is another element of self-confidence. So I think one piece that is going to come up throughout this podcast today 
is the idea of failure, the idea of being judged, and the idea of falling short of our goals. And so I like about having the confidence, especially the resilience piece. I think that's what hit me the most, is looking at it and thinking, hmm, I'm not necessarily going to hit a home run every time. And you won't. Yeah, I don't think life is set up where it's always a success-only journey. But I think we can look at when life does hand us a curveball or when we do fall short of our goal for whatever reason, we have the confidence to come back at it a second time or a third time or a twelfth time to say, oh, no, we're going to be able to pick up and move forward on this. You know what, Carl? That's exactly it. We're not going to win every single day. We're not going to win every single thing we try to achieve, we're not going to conquer it in its first go around. And why, you know, like, my God, wouldn't life be a little bit boring in a way if we did? Uh, My mom actually sent me a really good uh, quote the other day, and I absolutely love it. So I'm going to bring it in. She said, never regret a day in your life. Good days give happiness. Bad days give experience. Worst days give lessons. And best days give memories. And wow, I thought it was just beautifully put, you know, and she found it and she obviously knew that me and my sister would love to hear it. And so she sent it to us. But it really got me reflecting on if we had those amazing days every single second of the day and every single second of the year, then we wouldn't really get that experience to be able to kind of invest inward and become that better person. So even those bad days or those failures like you were talking about, they kind of have their role as well to help us become the next version of ourselves. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. It, when, when you're talking about that, it, it's weird. My mind went to kind of a weird place. So I don't know if this is going to sound strange or not. I remember being five years old and playing chess with my grandfather. Of course, my grandfather's much older than me, and he's destroying me playing chess, right? So we played 10 times. I lost all 10 times. And I remember him saying, well, I could let you win. And I instantly got angry. And I said, no, no, I, wa- I-, I want to earn it. Don't, don't, don't give me a mercy win. And this is me at five. And I'm thinking, I love that drive in that little five-year-old kid saying, no, no, don't hand it to me. I want to earn it. And I think if you were really honest with yourself, and I, and I throw this out to the, to the listeners as well, ask yourself, would you rather win $20 million or would you rather earn $20 million? And almost everybody would say, I'd rather earn $20 million. That sense of pride of having accomplished something that's hard is so much more fulfilling than being handed something that you maybe necessarily was just, was just easy. Well, because it's not only the fact of the result of the $20 million, I think the thing is about it is you're also building confidence in your ability to achieve along the way. So that's something money can't give you. Like knowing that you can succeed and put your time and energy into something and really get that fruitful tree, you know, like that is... That's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and just using this to go on the money tangent for a bit. Um, no, I, I know a couple of people that are very, very successful and very, very wealthy, like we all do in our lives. We get bump up against the occasional person who is very successful. And it's funny, you know, the more money that a person gets, the often the less they will think about the money because they can always get more money. 
if they're if they're truly skilled in what they do, if they're truly confident in what they do, it's not really about the result. It's about growing and pushing and becoming better. And so it's almost like they're not um, focused on the result. They're focused on the process. And the result happens to be a byproduct of that process. And I think if we could all get our heads there, <laughs> I think it would be a much... <laughs> fulfilling inward journey. So I think for our listeners today, you know, you can take a look at it as maybe you need confidence in your life through public speaking. Maybe you need confidence in acquiring a new skill. There's many different avenues where we can look at areas of confidence in our life. Uh, Why is self-confidence important? Well, I've got a couple here and I'd love for you, Jillian, to jump in on these. Uh, Self-confidence is important because it increases our energy. We truly believe that we can affect change in our lives. Well, and I feel by us creating change in our lives, it gives us the confidence to know that we can. So it's that ability of knowing that, yeah, we don't have control over external events or how something might actually, you know, come to play or if we get the job or not, or if we are acknowledged by that person or not. We can't control anything external, okay? But what we can control is our internal feeling. So how we're reacting to the event or the letdown or what story we're telling ourselves about that so-called failure or that so-called achievement. And I feel it's when we acknowledge that power and guys, hence, like honestly, hence why the name of the podcast is Power Yourself, because I truly believe to my core, it's in us, in all of us, to be able to have that control and power to frame stuff how we want it to be seen. So if we want to be happy and have this positive experience, I promise you, That you each, every single listener hearing this or hearing it whenever you're hearing it, know that you have that power. You have that ability to make a negative experience actually a positive growing experience. Another reason why self-confidence is important is it can lead to a better social life. Uh, Not just a better relationship with ourselves, but with other people. Confident people are generally more attractive and have friends. I I don't even know if there's anything else to be said with that. Like, just think about it. Think of the people that you admire the most. It's probably the people who are going to be very honest, uh, very okay with being seen with who they are in that moment and okay with failing or with trying and maybe not having that top five results or anything like that. Because it's about just showing up and being their authentic self. And I feel when we can each be our authentic self and really have the confidence to be able to show up and be our authentic self is when we have those true connections. Because you're having a true connection with the actual person, not of a persona that they're trying to promote or be seen. We're actually connecting with the individual. So I find absolutely confidence. I think it's probably the most sexiest thing ever, especially when somebody is genuinely good with themselves and their flaws and their, their positives and everything all in one. Yeah. There's nothing more, um, 
and I, you know, I, and I don't even want to say the word attractive in a in like a dating way. I, you know, I look at some friends in my life that are really um, that are really confident, and they just they own the room. They walk in, and you just and, and you just want to be a part of their life. You just say, you know what? I just want I want to grab some of that sunshine and and latch onto it. You know, they come in and they're shaking hands and they're waving across the room at somebody, and it's genuine. It's not a they're not just running for mayor and you know they're trying to run for office. These are people that truly are. It's more than just being popular. It's being respected and it's being admired. And these are people that come in and they're confident in their ability to connect with other people. I love the idea that they're confident in their listening skills, their speaking skills, their empathy skills. They know something about people that when they come in and they talk to them, they can connect with them on a real authentic level. I love that. And I feel it's because they are being authentic. So I feel it's because they are just being genuine. They're not caught up in the perceptions of what others are thinking about them. I feel a truly confident and the confidence that I always acknowledge and you try your best to kind of emulate. Would mm-hmm. emulate be the right word here? Yeah, I think you want to be like them or at least grab some of those traits yeah. and say, well, I'm going to use that to drive my bus forward as well. You know, they're really in control of their lives. Yeah, and I feel it's that genuine... I always call it a spark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I always sure. associate it with. I say that people, oh, they really, they've tapped into their spark. So they've, and what I mean by when I say that is they figured out who they are and they're actually okay with it. They're okay with, hey, this is not a finished product. I'm a work in progress, but I am showing up and I will be me genuine today. And when you see me next week, you're going to see the exact same genuine character. You're not going to see this showboaty, oh, I'm in front of these people, so I need to put this persona on. Or I'm in front of these people, so I need to tap in or kind of overdo these skills. So I think it's when those people are genuine and they show up and have those conversations. Yeah, you're just, you gravitate towards them. Yeah, I like I like the next one that we'll talk about too is about successful coping with unforeseen problems. So one of the benefits of self-confidence, why self-confidence is important is it helps us cope with unforeseen problems. One of the things I think you really learn about a relationship, a friendship, a marriage, whatever it may be, is when you travel together. And sometimes the wheels fall off. You have a long travel day, your flight's delayed, you're maybe in another city where you don't know where you're going. One person's reading the map, one person's driving a car. And if you have the confidence to get through those problems as a team or even individually, even a solo traveler could go through this, I think it really energizes your life. And you say, you know what, I'm not scared of the world. I'm not scared of what life may have to offer. If it happens, I'll deal with it. And it's not to minimize the problem, it's to maximize our resiliency to that problem. And I think that's an important piece. Acknowledging, guys, sometimes you're going to, you know, be hard on yourself and you're not always going to come out of the gates you know, with that confidence of feeling that you can conquer the world, the hope would be that you will get there. I think sometimes even the most confident people have unconfident moments and they have anxiety and they feel overwhelmed. But that's when you can really sit back and look at your confidence and be like, wait a second. Yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, it might not go the way I want it to go. But I know that I can get through this. Because look at what I've accomplished before and look at what my goal is. And I want to, you know, forge ahead 
and I am going to conquer this. I have the faith in myself that I will be able to get through whatever life throws at me. And the last one I want to cover, why is self-confidence important, is I think a really important one. It leads to higher levels of happiness. It's a true belief that you're in control of your life. Yeah, I feel once we tap into the ability or the acknowledgement that we are in control, not once again of those external things, but how we process and how we see things, then we are in control of our own happiness. Not one other person can make us happy. We have all of that within us. It's whether or not you're going to say, no, I'm going to be happy. I'm choosing to be happy. I heard a great analogy, and I love analogies, and and I heard a great one where you picture your life like a big school bus driving down the highway. And you ask yourself, who's driving the bus? Because everybody in your life is in that bus. They're sitting in the bus with you. Who's at the wheel? Is someone else grabbing that wheel and driving that bus for you in a different direction? Is someone else derailing your day? Or are you sitting behind the wheel saying, yeah, you can make all the noise you want on the bus, but I'm the one driving it forward? I think that's it. I've never heard that one before. I always use the one. I love it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I always use the one when I'm trying to like get through what I maybe think is a difficult moment or, you know, a blip on my confidence radar. I always say, when I'm 90 years old, am I going to care about this? So that's the filter when I feel shaken that I always use. When I'm 90, is this even going to matter to me? And if it's not... Well, why am I spending so much time and giving either this person or event this much space in my life if it's really not that significant? I, I absolutely love that idea. And I think it forces us to jump mentally far into the future. And it might only be a week into the future or a month into the future. But I love the idea of sitting as a 90-year-old on your porch Sipping lemonade. It's going, so actually, yeah. the porch. <laughs> what is this? Totally. How is this ingrained in A lot this? of people sipping lemonade on the porches, and we're all looking back on our life thinking, did that really matter? I think back often to like my time in high school or junior high, and it's like, wow, if I could go back and talk to myself and say, dude, this week in your life when you're 15 years old, it, you won't even remember it when you're a middle-aged person. It won't even come up. So it's, it's, not, it's not to minimize our problems, but... It's to put them in its proper perspective long-term. Well said. Okay, so let's take a look at some tips for increasing your self-confidence. And we have a list that we're going to go through here. And Jillian, I'd love for you to jump in on these. Let's start with the first one, which is failing on purpose. The idea that we should not be afraid of failing. We should get over that right away. And we should find things that we can work on that we're actually not good at. So we can actually practice things that we're not good at. And we can measure the success. We can redefine success, rather than being a master of that skill, we can redefine it to be uh, a realistic improvement over time. I think a beautiful place to start in this journey of like self-discovery and self-confidence and basically self-love, I think it's a, a beautiful aspect to try to not have that idealized version of success. So I love what you mean about losing on purpose or failing on purpose, because I think by us taking that approach, 
maybe we won't feel as hurt or devalued when we so-called fail because it's not about that end moment it's not about that one moment it's about the whole process the whole journey of whatever that event is so I think by learning how to fail and fail well so not always being number one I think is a it's a skill it's almost like an art to it because I feel it bring allows us to bring a presence to the whole process and be able to be self-aware and take in as much that can help us grow as we can. So I'd like to use a real life example for this one that I think we've all experienced at some stage of our lives where we maybe we get a new job and we're maybe not very confident in that new job, whatever it may be. And what I hear you saying is rather than have the metric of success be that we're going to be a master of this brand new job, what we should do is redefine that metric of success so that success for us in the new job looks like, do we come into work and we're coachable? Do we come into work and we're professional and we're empathetic and we ask for feedback? And we're able to use that feedback to make ourselves better. That in and and of itself is the success. Yes. So So it's redefining. It's not being the best person in that whole workplace. Maybe that year. Maybe this year. It's just about, like you said, coming in with that willingness to be better. So I think it's really important, too, to take a stock of where we're at over time. I think it's so easy, and I'm talking about use, learning a new skill or learning a new job. And it could be anything. It could be painting, drawing, playing a musical instrument, finding a new job, learning how to drive a car, whatever it may be. I think it's really important as well to celebrate our successes as we move forward. We are so, I don't know why, but we're hardwired as humans that we tend to discount our successes. Every musician I've ever met they're never braggy. They always talk about how they have so much more to learn and how they're not very good and they know a musician who's better than them. And and I find that that, uh, it's not a negative or a positive thing. It's just a trait that I've noticed over time. And I think that in order to be really good at something, you need to have a combination of confidence but not arrogance. And I think there's a huge difference between the two. So for anybody listening today that's wondering about the difference between arrogance and confidence, I would describe it, and feel free to jump in, confidence is the, is the ability in yourself that you feel you have, and arrogance is the, is the willingness, or, not, or rather the not willingness, to learn and to grow. That you're, a, that you're a master and that you're now a teacher rather than a student. Yeah, that you feel maximized in your ability in right. that area. Yeah. And a truly confident person is confident in their skills, but they're humble enough to know that they can always learn, they can always improve. Well, and I think that's an important lens to always have on because when we become that arrogant person, I feel that we stop learning and with that, we're going to stop growing. So for me, I am the first to say I definitely don't know everything. And wow, wouldn't the next 50 years be really boring if I did? It's about showing up and just being ready to take in new ideas and new perspectives. And I think through that and having that lens, it will help us grow and help us get better at so many different areas as opposed to just one. The next one that I want to bring up is sort of a basic one. And I know as soon as I say this, some people might think it's being a little judgy and I hope it doesn't come across that way. The idea that for some people who have low self-confidence, 
sort of an easy way or a relatively simple way that we can improve our confidence over time is through our grooming and through our appearance. So looking good can kind of make you feel good too. So something like, and I use this as an example, something like if you're not very confident in your abilities, something as simple as getting up on your day off and showering and shaving and making sure that you look good can really help you present yourself to the world in such a way that you say, okay, I'm well put together, I'm professional. There are things that we can control and the idea that you know, if you're going to a job interview or if you're going out into the world and doing something that you're not super confident about, you can present yourself physically in a way that, that will help you mentally catch up to it. Well, I don't think you're here saying that you have to be dressed a certain way, so I don't think it comes across as mean. So I think you're just using the essential base element of put time and energy into yourself, whatever that looks like. You know, I will say your basic will obviously being clean. Now, whatever that version of how you will dress to success, that's your lens that you'll put on it. And that's great. But yeah, I totally think showing up and being ready and not just, you know, like rolling out of bed and having bed head and maybe not brushing your teeth the whole day you know, you're probably not going to have the greatest self-confidence in those moments. So I think, yeah, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying basic hygiene. Absolutely, I think is essential. I love that. The next one we'll talk about here is replacing negative thoughts with positive ones. So throughout your day, find out why you're having negative thoughts. Catch yourself, be aware of it, and replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And here's the key. Replacing with those positive thoughts that are actually true. So these are thoughts that you actually believe. You're not just telling yourself a story. These are real thoughts that are based in reality. And I think this is a hard thing uh, when you first come out of the gates, guys. So don't be upset or discouraged if you can't master it right away. Just like we said, it is a process. So even just coming out, first of all, take it into steps. So break it into attainable steps. First of all, acknowledge the thought. I think that's the first, being self-aware that that thought is actually occurring in your head. Every single person has thoughts in their head. So it's about acknowledging what your thoughts are. And then next step would be managing your mind. So that's the looking at that negative phrase. And you're exactly right, Carl, looking at something you're proud of yourself for, and then maybe coming at with that dialogue instead. So really coming from a place of self-love. And I think that goes back to the basic element of falling in love with yourself. I feel it, this is going to, like, for me, it sums it up perfectly. You need to love yourself first before you can love anybody else. And I truly believe that. And the reason, and some people will argue with me, and that's fine. It's, once again, different perspectives. But my thought process when I say that you need to fall in love with yourself is because if you fall in love with yourself and you know sometimes you don't succeed you're not always perfect you know you got good intentions sometimes sometimes you might have a really bad day but if you fall in love with yourself knowing all those goods and bads then it's easier to love other people with all of their package as well Okay, so that's why I say it's really important to love yourself. That element, because then you can truly love another person and respect the process of what they're going through as well. Some days not succeeding, some days really succeeding. So I think that lens is important. And I think it goes to the next way 
of like you can go an alternate route and look at it that we need to love ourselves because we're teaching other people how to treat us too. So if you love yourself, you're less likely to put up with arrogant, disrespectful people in your life or maybe mean, judgmental people. If you love yourself enough, you'll be like, ah, wait a second. My time's really valuable here. I don't see the value that you're adding and I'm okay with walking away. Yeah, it, uh, there's so much there to unpackage. I, I know yeah. for myself, I think about a time in my life when I had pretty low self-confidence, kind of a funny story. So I used to work at it for a company where we would have morning hockey once a week. We'd play ice hockey before we started our work day. It was awesome. It was a great way to start the, the day. And I bought goaltender equipment. I was going to learn how to be a hockey goaltender, which is really difficult. And anyone I've ever talked to says, oh, playing regular hockey and playing ice hockey as a goaltender, they're completely different skill sets. So I was basically a fully grown adult, but mentally as a goaltender, I was like an eight-year-old kid. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea about the skill set involved. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I get in the net and I've been maybe playing for half a year, six months. And I, that morning, I just got lit up. Everybody was scoring on me. I had a bad day, and people were just scoring left and right on me. And at the end of the, at the end of the hockey game, I, we're getting ready for the workday now. And I was in a pretty bad mood. I was pretty down on myself. And uh, one of my coworkers came by and said, "Oh, you did really good, and you know, you really tried out there." And I said, "Oh, I don't know about that. I was pretty down on myself." And he really put something in perspective that really hit home with me. And he said, "Well, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but my brother." plays in the NHL he's an NHL professional level hockey player and I went oh my goodness like you grew up in a household where your brother you played hockey with a brother who's now in the NHL and he says yeah and this was a guy who scored like 10 goals on me during the hour so he's a really good hockey player and he said in my family I'm not the good hockey player there's always somebody out there who's going to be better than you at something and there's always going to be people out there that are worse than you at something so he said you can throw away the judgment on it because Am I, and this is this guy talking, he says, is, am I a really good hockey player? Maybe today I was. But if I went out and played with my brother and his buddies, I would be in the same boat as you. So I don't look down on myself or up on myself. It just is what it is. We're all here to have fun and connect with each other and get some exercise. That's what it's about. I, I find the same thing's true with musicians, that when I talk to them about different levels of skill, there's always someone else out there that's quote unquote better or worse. And it's mostly looked in the, in the eyes of being a novice or being a master. But nobody's ever at one end of the spectrum or the other. They're always somewhere on that continuum. So I thought that was a very beautiful way to put it forward. And it wasn't charity. He wasn't just trying to be nice to me. He was saying, no, no, you're not looking at this correctly. You're at the start of this journey of being a goaltender. And there's going to be days when you succeed. and There's going to be days that you don't. And there's always somebody else who's going to be below or above on that continuum. And it's really not that big of a deal. And I just love that. And the thing is that even though a hockey or being that goaltender maybe wasn't your, you know, the place where you were th thriving at that moment, but it was probably another place where other people weren't thriving. So I feel like if we are self-aware enough to know what we're really good at and what we need work on or, or what we're okay with trying to get better on, I feel in that way it allows us to not only be gentle with ourselves, just like that hockey player said to you, it's about being gentle with other people as well and allowing them the time and the space to get better. Yeah, he really allowed me in that moment, I think, to to disengage, to separate my love for something and my skill level at it. 
that I didn't need to enjoy being good at being a goaltender. I just needed to enjoy being a goaltender, even if it meant being a really bad goaltender. And I could love, you know, for example, you know, I play drums, for example, in my, you know, as a hobby. And I really enjoy playing drums. I don't really, it, it doesn't enter my, my mindset. It doesn't enter my language about how good I am or poor I am at it. I just tell people I really enjoy playing. So I've learned over the years to kind of separate out the skill level from my love for something. And I don't really take a huge amount of enjoyment in being really good at something, just like I don't beat myself up in being not so good at something. Well, they're, so, they're different things. So that's it. So exactly. If you're giving yourself so much credit in one area, you're more likely to probably be really hard on yourself in another. So why can't it be just stop letting it be about the result and let it be about the process? So enjoy the fact of, of just being there and being part of and being present of whatever event you're doing. Why does it need to be about anything else? Yeah, we can enjoy the learning rather than the result. We can enjoy the idea of getting better, whether we go from the bottom tier to the next bottom tier or a top tier to a really top tier. Either way, we're learning, we're improving, we're experiencing something. Even if, you know, I remember once I was out on vacation and I got lost. I was going for a hike. I was actually in Germany and I went for a hike and I got lost on the hike. And what was supposed to be a 45-minute hike turned into a three-hour hike. And I did not have water. <laughs> and it was a somewhat of a brutal experience in this hot summer day. And I knew that I wasn't going to die on this mountain. I knew I was going to get off somehow, you know, get off the mountain. But, um, but I learned to kind of enjoy the experience. I was never coming back to this spot again. And I had the confidence to say, you know what, I'll be okay. And I think that comes from experience, like you mentioned, having a, what Mama Power there said about having a negative experience can really, um, can really be a lesson for us to learn going forward. And it can. And I think, like, I feel like the hardest thing about self-confidence is actually letting go of the judgment around or the people around us. So basically letting go and not caring or not really letting it affect us what people think. And I think that's always the hardest part. So my advice to that is it's not your business. And I read that in a book. It's not your business what other people think about you at all. Let them think. It's your business about how you feel and how you think of yourself. So why don't you put the time and energy and effort into that? That's fantastic. Another thing that I think relates to this is the idea of getting to know ourselves. So a tip would be we could write a journal. What are you naturally good at? What are you naturally not good at? Uh, there's no judgment, just as Jillian said, but we may want to spend some time figuring that out. And I think that that will really lead us down the path of confidence where we can say, oh, I'm naturally inclined to enjoy certain things in our life. And they're naturally inclined to maybe not enjoy other things in our life. And we can steer our lives in those directions if we so choose. We can either lean into something we're not good at, knowing that it could be a bit of a tough sled, or we can lean into something that we're naturally good at if we're in the mood for a relatively easy win. Yeah, I love it. Another easy way we can increase our confidence is the idea of doing charitable work and volunteering. And I know this is something that is near and dear to your heart, Jillian. The idea that we give back either to friends, to family, to our community. So we could spend some time helping others. 
And it's a great and easy way to improve the image of ourselves. It's based in reality. There's actual results to back up our confidence in this regard. You'll have concrete proof that you've made a positive change in this world. And why not? You know, why not start? I always say, look at your value system. And if you're sticking within that core belief of your value system, you'll end up having confidence, okay? You'll end up having confidence in your ability to show up, in your ability to show up and stay true to your value system, and just, yeah, in your in your ability to show up. It's kind of a neat little cheat or life hack, or I don't know how you want to describe it, but, you know, the big dirty secret about charitable work is that the more you help someone else, the better actually you yourself feel. And it's a great little secret. You know, people spend their day helping someone else, and they come back and they go, man, I gave all this away, but I got so much in return. And it's a great feeling, you know. And there's so many charitable opportunities in the world now. You can go online and you can help people. You can donate money. You can donate time. You know, many people don't have money. You can donate time. You can donate energy. You can help somebody. It doesn't even need to be through a registered charity. You can just pick friends. You can you can decide as a group of friends to go help someone. Maybe there's a senior citizen in your neighborhood. You can go offer to clean their yard for the day. I know a friend of mine who goes down to the river downtown and they clean garbage once a year down by the river. There's no fanfare. There's no charitable initiative. They just, they want to make the world a better place. They go down there and they fill up garbage bags. I'm thinking, it's amazing. They feel great at the end. They all go out for chicken wings at the end of the day and they feel wonderful about themselves. And I think that's a very simple but very powerful way to feel good about yourself. Well, I think it's, once again, staying through to your value system and realizing that that's an important piece that you that you respect in others maybe that you've seen and then you try to emulate that behavior now one of the areas of self-confidence that i think people sometimes struggle in a very common one is the idea of public speaking so i just want to use that as an example for our next point about preparation so you can use it for any area of your life but i'm just using public speaking because it's a very common one if you're nervous about something such as public speaking or learning a new skill, put in the time, sit down and prepare. So if you have a speech you need to give and you're not very confident as a public speaker, you have to dedicate time to it. You have to dedicate resources and energy to it and see if you can break down why you're not confident and basically through brute force, through the time spent practicing and preparing, you can then get to the space where you are confident. And I think it goes back to being okay with failing, like just putting in the time and effort and being okay with not being the rock star coming out of the gates. It's through that repetition and practice and preparation that you will become better at whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, and we have an entire podcast dedicated to public speaking as well. So I know this kind of ties into it. Um, a little bit of a sell job here for one of our other podcasts. And I know for myself, you know, when I'm when I'm ever asked to present or give a speech or prepare something publicly, I will sit down and prepare. There's very little that comes out where we don't prepare, you know, and even this podcast, for example, we've made show notes and we sit down the night before and we get in the right headspace so that we're not just quote unquote winging it. We feel we deserve better. We feel you deserve better. And I feel like we are confident in our ability to present a well thought out structured uh, delivery of something that's important. And I feel if you talk to anybody who was really good at something, they're going to give you the exact same spiel. They didn't get there overnight. They put the time and energy and dedication into becoming better and giving that better 
product kind of thing. So I think be gentle with yourself is kind of where I would go with that. Be gentle with yourself and whatever, wherever you are in the process. Just be gentle and acknowledge that you can get better. You have the ability to get better if you put that time and energy into it. It's so funny. It reminds me of a quick little story. So, you know, you and I have worked together for years. And I remember when we first started our journey together at work, we were talking about public speaking and training and facilitation. And I remember when I first met you, there was not really an area that you'd really ever thought about. You'd said it was not something you were particularly even had ever come up. I couldn't even say if you were interested in it or not. And the other day I heard a comment where your name came up in conversation and someone said, oh, Jillian, she's such a natural speaker. She's such a natural facilitator. And I thought, wow, what a great compliment that, and I've, I've heard that about myself as well. Sometimes people will say to me, oh, you're such a natural. And I'm thinking, wow, the amount of hours that we've put in. And I wasn't insulted by it, but it's just, it's like a magic trick. You spend years perfecting this or years working on it to make it look effortless. And the amount of time and energy in behind the scenes, it's a great compliment to hear that. So I thought I'd share that with you that somebody thinks you're an effortless speaker and you're an effortless facilitator. And I thought, wow, if you only knew the countless hours of work and energy and dedication that's gone into it, um, you know, blow, it would blow them away. And that's it, though. So I think having those real conversations with everybody and saying that, like, that is a beautiful compliment. And the first thing I would say to them is, it wasn't natural. I actually put a lot of time and energy because I was so frightened at first. You know, and it's not just, it wasn't about me going out the first time I spoke and nailing it. For me, it was just about staying there and finishing what I had intended to do. And then the next time it was about doing something else. And, you know, over time, my goals changed as to what I wanted to succeed. And it was because I showed up to each experience and I put, just like you said, all that time and effort and prep into it that I am able to go out and give that level of production. And I just wanted to touch very quickly on that, a little bit more here about the public speaking, just because it is something that people are, I think it's a tangible thing that most people think of when they think of self-confidence. I just wanted to mention, if you are speaking in public, and it could be at a meeting, it could be you're giving a speech at a wedding, whatever it is, a really quick tip is just to stand tall when you're presenting and to speak slowly. And what happens is when you don't rush, it gives the impression that you deserve to be there. And I just think it's a really powerful, very quick thing that somebody who maybe doesn't have a lot of confidence and they think, oh my goodness, I have to get up and speak in front of people. Stand tall, speak slowly. It gives you a level of weight to what you're saying and it gives the impression that you have confidence. And sometimes you have to, I hate, I hate the expression, fake it till you make it. I don't like that because to me it's like you're a phony. But what I'm suggesting is that if you stand tall and you speak slowly, it gives the impression of confidence, which in turn actually gives you confidence. Oh, it's you exact, realize it feeds itself. It feeds itself. Halfway through the speech, you realize, oh, I do deserve to be here. They are listening to me. I do have something to offer. And it's a great moment. And we've all been there as public speakers where it clicks and you think, oh, I do have the audience. This is a great feeling. I deserve to be standing here. I heard somebody say before, stand in the Superman pose. I'm all about that. <laughs> like, how much confidence does that give? Standing in the Superman pose before you do something. I want to try that out. And that's why I start every speech. I rip my shirt wide open <laughs> when I start. And As you wear a Hulk <laughs> shirt right now. So fitting. So fitting. <laughs> 
So we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode on self-confidence. As always, we want to encourage you to go to our social media website. We have a Facebook page called Power Yourself, and we encourage you to like us, follow us, ask a question, leave a comment. We'd love for you to get involved. We also have a page on iTunes, so you can go and download our podcast through the podcast app if you have an iPhone or an iPad, and you can go to the iTunes store and you can leave a review for our Power Yourself podcast. That would mean the world to us. Thank you so much for your time today, Jillian. Are you confident that this was a good episode? I love it, guys. And what I want to say to you, the last words I will say for today is just keep investing in you and the confidence will come. Wonderfully, wonderfully said. As always, I'm Carl. I'm Jill. We will talk to you next time on Power Yourself.